Hey, lovely souls. It has been a cool minute since I've jumped on here to do a recording. I've been taking a little break and I appreciate everyone's patience. And I had um, people who found me on social media and wrote me uh, about the podcast and I felt very blessed and honored by that. Um, I've been doing so much soul work here lately and energy work and really letting my gifts fully reintegrate. I was someone who always tried to close a lot of my gifts down because it was overwhelming. And so I've been doing work to let them all reopen, come back in and clear them, clean them and align them. So it was a lot of heavy work and I appreciate um, all the space that's been held for me and the patience here. So today I kind of wanted to talk about a few things. One, I've been trying to keep the podcast episodes kind of light mainly because I was trying to allow myself to be a bridge for those who were really new to shadow work I didn't want to throw too much out there at them but I am feeling this stir to really start diving deeper because my ability to go deeper is is definitely there and I really hold back in a lot of those places so today I kind of wanted to talk about energy involving shadow work and how we can take shadow work to such a deeper level to the next step. And I've been doing this for a long time in my life and not even fully aware of what I was doing. And it was only within the past few months that the realization of why I was doing what I was doing clicked. So if you are someone who's doing a lot of shadow work, some things that you might notice, did notice or have experienced is that it can seem like you work through wounds, you accept them, you embrace them, you surrender to them, you feel all of the emotions, you've rationalized it, you've looked at it from multiple perspectives, and yet you might still find that they resurface anyways in other types of ways or that your knee-jerk reaction, like all of the spiritual work you're doing, you're really developing and then out of nowhere you can get triggered or something can happen and your knee-jerk reaction can still show the evidence of the shadow that you feel like you've really worked through. And so I wanted to talk about that for a moment, what what that is and how we how we clear this. So a lot of times people feel the need to really stay with the shadow for a long time. I used to cherish my wounds. I didn't know that's what I was doing. This great group of people uh, who's actually coming on as a guest next week that does engineering um, alchemy work with energy helped explain to me a lot about myself including um, my own alchemy process. But I had a way of cherishing my wounds. And sometimes what can happen is we spend too much time in our shadows that we don't realize we are struggling to actually clear them, energetically clear them from our bodies and our energies, our aura. 
Some of the things that I've been working with over the past few months is working with my nervous system, doing EMDR, working with my vibration, my relationship with my vibration. So what this can really look like for you is your body can store the traumas and the wounds of your shadow so that even though you have worked through them emotionally and mentally, your body is still not letting go of it. And there is still like a residue of its energy, which is what causes the knee-jerk reaction. And it can feel quite frustrating, especially if you've been on a spiritual path and you've been putting a lot of work to this, to feel like, is this ever truly going to change? And so I really want to throw those topics out real quick in case you are somebody looking for, well, how can I take things to the next level? You can actually move through shadow work quicker by instead of spending an overabundant amount of time with the shadow, you can actually shorten that period of time by seeing it for what it is, you know, dropping through your veils really um, taking a moment to feel all the emotions there, but then you can actually release it so much quicker instead of becoming almost in a loving relationship with the wound to where you're just taking a long time. You can begin to work with your nervous system. There are exercises you can find on YouTube to help just clear it out of the body and get it over with because you've you've already done the, the emotional an intellectual part of this. Some people don't need the intellectual part at all. I'm an overthinker. I enjoy having both of those processes, which probably has slowed my process down, honestly. But hey, so you you can do that. And then energetically, there is alchemy. Now I come through the back door of spirituality. So there's a lot of things that I don't know, but I do know. I do things and I have no idea what I'm doing. And when I start talking about it, other people are like, oh, that's this, this, and that, and that. And they'll start bringing up what it is that I'm actually doing. And typically, I I still don't know much about it as far as the practicality of it, okay? So I understand on an intellectual level what alchemy is, but I really understand it on an energetic level. So you can shift your energy by many practices. So for an example, if you are dealing with a shadow, you're dealing with a wound, you're dealing with a trigger, you're dealing with anger, and you're suddenly in that moment and you're feeling that, you can energetically begin to shift it. I like to belly dance. I love belly dancing. I am by no means great at it, but I really enjoy it. And, um, there, there is a process that happens on an energetic level. The movement is actually shifting the energy that I was in and I'm transmuting it. So if I suddenly feel angry or I suddenly feel grief or I suddenly feel an intense longing that's causing me actual pain, I can literally turn on music and start to belly dance 
until that energy completely shifts into a higher vibration of ecstasy, love, joy, surrender, acceptance, euphoria. <clears throat> and it's not because I'm denying the fact that I feel the painful feeling that I felt. I acknowledge it, but because I do see it for what it is, I shift it energetically to help clear it out. And you can do this even with things that is not about shadow work. I mean, you can just do this in general with all the new stuff happening. You know, we think that shadow work is just all about the past, the past, the past, but it's not, you know, you are dealing with things on a regular basis. You are having experiences on a regular basis that is triggering things. And it's not even just triggering things. I don't believe in spiritual bypassing. So what I want to say about that is that I am not here to be holier than thou. I joined a Facebook group recently, a, a totally different group. And um, <laughs> it was about Claire's sentence because that's one of my spiritual gifts. And there was a question that really caught me off guard. It said, "Are you? do you resonate with being a light worker or a dark worker? And I thought that's so silly it's both. <laughs> like I, I could not begin to classify myself as in one or the other because to me, um, I've embodied both. And I feel like that's what resonates with me, what is kind of meant for me. Now, I want to explain that for a moment in case you're like, I don't, you know, I don't understand. Um, like what you're trying to say here, it sounds conflicting. Well, it's kind of like this. <clears throat> I control, I can choose to control. I can use my intentions to decide what I want to do, right? So I'm responsible for my actions. I am in control over my intentions, I have the awareness to do that. I can, you know, take control over my emotions instead of my emotions always taking control over me. Now, does that mean that, yes, there are exceptions. There are times where my emotions get the better of me. But what I'm trying to say is by acknowledging your darkness, your own inner darkness, does not mean that you are doomed or destined to go do harmful things towards other people. So you can be someone that's considered a light and a dark worker at the same time. And maybe I have an out there perception. And some of you might be like, that's not how this works. But this is, I guess, the way I process things. But that doesn't mean I have to go make decisions or take actions that are, quote, dark, as in, harmful or negative, etc. whatever you want to tag to that. So I find that really vital because I naturally am a more kind of docile person, a very um, loving, calm, harmonizing type of person. But at the exact same time, my darker inner energies, <clears throat> which I'm not trying to get rid of, and I'll explain why. There is also a very fierce person inside of me. 
somebody who is actually very capable of making very hard and difficult situations of really being put through the fire and still come walking out of it. And if I did not acknowledge that inner darkness, I would not I would not really be able to utilize all of that. So for me, it is not about how, how righteousness, right, that one can become. It is about this inner harmony, this, this blend of these energies inside until it's one tapestry and it's working as a whole. And I can use these gifts of these darker energies within to impact my higher vibrational intentions, my more, I guess you could say, the light side. I, you know, I use light and dark more so that people understand what I'm talking about, but I really try not to overly look at it as those terms because I think it's actually a metaphor for something else. Um, a person once told me, you know, what if darkness was actually aggression and light was more of gentleness, you know, or the opposite of aggression and maybe not quite this concept we think of when we think of good and evil. So by, by doing this and understanding this, it actually allows me to be more centered and in my power and I don't feel threatened or fearful of the darker parts of humanity or the psyche or of myself because I allow those energies to be what they are but they they are here to serve me I am not here to serve them which means I use my consciousness and my awareness to pay attention to my own thoughts and intentions and what I'm going to do with this. So I just wanted to say that for a moment. So coming back to this energetic cleansing, what can often happen is that we can get so polluted by energy coming in to our experiences. And so when we do, when we experience that, when we have pollution come in, it can really confuse us at times um, what is ours and what is not. <clears throat> so you can first transmute all of your own, all of your own stuff through, I like I said, I do the belly dancing. You can work in nature. I work with water. Uh, you can do stuff with magnets, breath work, just to transcend the, the shadows of your own wounds and your current experiences as well. And at the same time, when you experience pollution and like debris on an energetic level, those can also pull on our shadows. It can pull on the darker sides of us. Um, it can get attached. We can begin to really get confused without even knowing it that some of the things we deal with is not even ours. So there's been times where certain wounds, it seemed, were being triggered or certain emotions. And I thought, I just don't understand where this even came from. I was 
fine. I was in a beautiful place. I was happy. Where did this come from? I thought I worked through this and it took a long time for me to realize that because I have done a lot of inner work, some of it was not even mine, but I kept trying to make it fit. Like, well, it has to be mine because I'm the one here. I'm the one feeling this. I'm the one having the experience. So it must be attached to something inside of me, some wound, some shadow, some of this darker energy that, you know, makes me a whole person. It's part of my whole. And, uh, it took, it took a while and it took, and it took this group to help clarify that, um, actually, you know, it's your gift of clairsentence. <laughs> um, I knew that I had the gift already, but I didn't really fully understand the gift. I was always um, absorbing so much and having to constantly dissect what is mine and what is somebody else's and feeling migraines and feeling sick. So you might even look at your own life and begin to consider have I done a lot of my own shadow work and energy work? And I know, I actually know my energy. If you really get to understand your own energy, like really become intimate with the feeling of you, how you feel on an energetic level, this will really help you. Or am I experiencing the collective shadow, things from other people that I'm absorbing and assuming it's mine and trying to figure out where it fits. So this is what I call energetic debris. It is all the stuff that begins to take up space and, and it clutters our energy fields and it really begins to play on um, the quote darker energies within us and in some ways it can be helpful as far as it can trigger areas of shadow work that you haven't tapped into. But if it is actually just triggering the same thing over and over again, and you know you've done this work, then really it might just be that you need to shift the energy of that wound and also cleanse your energy field of this outer this outer energy that's interfering. So just wanted to bring that up and in today's uh, topic in case that could resonate for some of you guys, um, you know, and, and this can fall under the alchemy process, you know, because the alchemy is, you know, a great part of shadow work. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with what that is. I encourage you to look into it. I'm really not the one to, to explain it in the way that most people would because I come through, like I said, the, the back way. Um, of spirituality. I come through experience. That's, I learn through the experience of something first versus me looking into something and then having experience. It's like, it's really backwards for me. Um, and you know, I'm trying to surrender to accepting that and just being really grateful for it. But sometimes it's very frustrating because sometimes I don't know what's going on. And, um, I, and that's why I'm so thankful to have a community and connection so I can ask people and they're like, oh yeah, you know, this is blah, 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 blah. And then because they have come from the other side of spirituality, they're able to teach me. They're able to really walk me deeper into whatever it is. And I wanted to kind of 
explore something else is that um, there's there's just so much sometimes misconception of shadow work being evil. Um, I get that question quite a lot and it's interesting to me. So I want to go ahead and explore the topic of evil with you guys and I hope that's okay. And if this is not resonating, you know, if you would prefer me to do episodes more like my old ways, like, like the way I was, just let me know and I will be happy to record more of those. But, and I think I'm going to explain this in a way that a lot of you will un, like resonate with as far as you've probably learned this and read about this already in different areas. But this is kind of how I look at this idea of evil or good or how shadow work, why it would be labeled as evil to begin with. Is it's kind of like, I always felt like um, things were flip-flopped not all of it though like like there was information that was very accurate as far as very helpful very profound very insightful but it was twisted in certain certain ways or the way it was taught was twisted in certain ways to create the illusions deceptions and and, and perceptions um, for a bigger agenda and it caused a lot of confusion for me uh, growing up, especially trying to understand my Bible, um, you know, picking up on contradictions, but yet feeling like there was so much about the Bible that like I just intuitively felt like it was a code, like the Bible was actually um, some kind of code where on the surface level you read it and you see it for what it is, right? But it's like if you got deeper with it, uh, with your awareness, with your knowing, you would realize that there was very much hidden meaning, meanings behind the surface level meanings. And so I began to experience the Bible in a very different radical way than a lot of other people, which was not welcomed at all. Because when I started sharing my perceptions and asking questions, it triggered a whole lot of people. The thing is, and you're going to see this in spiritual communities as well, is that sometimes we can really attach our sense of security and identity to beliefs and the way the collective agrees on something. If if everybody is agreeing on something, even in the spiritual community, if everybody's agreeing on something, I'm, I don't automatically agree. That doesn't mean to say that I'm not going to agree, but it's like I immediately question everything because if so many people are agreeing with it, then to me, because I've had this experience of um, really being fed a lot of um, conditioning, I'm going to just question because I feel like uh, there's so much that we don't know and we have this hunger in us to try and put reason to things, understand things. But to me, as soon as you can put reason to anything, it becomes a type of distortion. 
for like even in the best ways possible. And so there's nothing wrong with it. When we find what can be serving of us to get us the next level, to me, that's all that matters. But I just feel like obviously there's no way to really know for sure, in my opinion. Um, we might know bits and pieces, but I feel like it's so much bigger. So this idea of evil to me is that, um, and I'm trying not to get too like, I'm trying to be careful how I say this just because like, there's still some things I really don't know how to communicate well. Um, because I'm still digesting certain areas of this, but I just feel like it was kind of like, so feminine power, feminine energy women, um, there are thoughts of it being possible that women were actually characters of the Bible, um, that were then portrayed as men or that, you know, women were, um, really the, the ones who really knew the spiritual and the mysticism and, um, were natural teachers and leaders in this area. You know, there's a saying that a man protects a woman in the physical realm and a woman protects a man in the spiritual realm, kind of something like that. Not to say that men, and when I say men, there's masculine and feminine energies and it, it can be women and women, men and men. Like I don't mean, you know, non-gender, like, um, they're non-gender. So forgive me for using those terms. I'm just trying to keep it kind of, uh, simplified in the way I'm explaining it. And I don't mean no offense to anybody. Um, but so it, it was kind of this idea that if we portray women as the ones who are deceitful, you know, Eve took the, the bite of the apple, right? Then we can begin to kind of teach this agenda that women are actually beneath men and um, they birthed this concept of the, the snake and um, sin and, um, and evil. And I feel like <laughs> it goes so much deeper than this, but uh, I feel like, and it really has trickled down to where um, spirituality and mysticism and anything that falls around those terms and then and those concepts and even shadow work um, began to get labeled as quote evil because it um, defied the the structure of how at the time those in in positions of power wanted things to be. Um, so by turning the general population against any type of awareness basically would kind of help prevent people from becoming aware and therefore it, you know it's easier to manipulate control deceive and um they've even used you know psychology and propaganda to promote psychosis to invoke psychosis in people which is, you know, you see that in stories of the witch trials of, you know, just almost anybody could get labeled as a witch. And there, I mean, there was no, there didn't have to be any real evidence. And, you know, it's like those 
women, those people, they didn't stand a chance because they would, you know, drown you or smother you. You know, it wasn't just about fires. Yes, women were burned at the stake, but there was a lot of women who were drowned and suffocated. And the thought was, well, if they don't come back up for air or if they, if we remove this pillow and they don't breathe, they're like dead after the first time we try to kill them, then that means God redeemed them. They were forgiven and they got to go to to heaven and they were redeemed. And so hallelujah, praise the Lord, right? And then if they didn't die the first time, they somehow managed to still have breath (laughs) and they were, you know, fighting for their lives. Well, then they were for sure a witch. That was a definite sign that you were a witch and you had done witchcraft to stay alive. So they stood no chance. Either way, it was like they were a witch no matter what. And they had to die because if, you know what I mean? It was like a trap. So to me, I know that this goes actually deeper. It goes more deeper than my soul fully even knows how to explain. I've had so many visions. And one of the visions I have, because I don't believe in hell. Um, and it's mainly, I do believe in God, you guys spirit, creator, source. And I'll tell you a vision I had. And this is not me trying to persuade anyone's beliefs. I'm just trying to tie in like where this idea of shadow work being evil could be coming from. Um, and why, you know, this idea that we have to change what's dark within us. So I had this dream once, uh, many years ago, like, I don't know, like, 10, 12 years ago, it was in my early 20s, where there was beings flying around, and some had white wings on their back, and some had black wings on their back, and ironically, the ones with the black wings were more um, docile, and gentle, and light, and nurture, and just unconditional love, but they were dressed in white, so they were dressed in white, and they had black wings, and then the white-winged beings were more actually aggressive, and um, kind of the opposite, okay? And so that's what the first irony was to me, is because we associate with black with dark and white with light, right? But so unconditional love though had the dark wings and uh, the, the aggression had the white. So I thought that was so interesting. Well, this being flies to me and says, hey, father wants us to come home. And I said, okay. And I had a pair of black wings on my <clears throat> back. And so we fly and suddenly there's this tight rope zigzagging through the sky all the way up into, you know, what I guess would be the heavens, like pass through the clouds where you couldn't see where it was going. Well, all of a sudden, both beings, those with the white wings and those with the dark wings, both show up to this tight rope. And we're like pushing and we're shoving on each other. Like we can't stand each other, but we're walking up the same tight rope. We get up into this place. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just like cosmic space. (laughs) 
it was not, there was no, you couldn't define it by a room or walls or pillars or there was no sense of border. It was like infinite. It was just space. <clears throat> and there is this great, great light, like this, and this big light, and it's so bright, you can't actually stare straight into it. It's, um, you can't tell if there's something behind the light or if the light is literally just it. I mean, like, that's the whole point. Like, you couldn't rationalize the light. It was just massive. And everybody bowed before this light. Both the light-winged beings and the dark-winged beings. Everybody was, like, in this submissive place towards this big light. And it wasn't in a way that was, like, it didn't feel like we were oppressed or anything. Not not yet. That's going to come. It just felt like we were in some type of reverence, but it felt genuine, like a genuine heartfelt reverence. Like we understood that the light created us and we were its creation and we had a type of reverence and love for it. <clears throat> Both sides. So each winged being each side i guess you could say had a submaster and the submaster there was just two one with white wings and one with black wings and the submaster's job basically was to be kind of like a mediator between they were the only ones that got closer to the light than the rest of us they could not even fully see into the light or walk into it but it's like they were always kind of in between us and the light not blocking us from the light, but just like messengers. Um, it's not that we couldn't get close to them. Um, it's not like we couldn't get close to the light because we could, but it's like these were the appointed messengers and it was like their job to kind of help make sure there's order, okay, uh, for the rest of us. So there was this great big will and it had all of these symbols, but these symbols were alive, there was like an energy to it, like a vibration. They were um, alive and like there was movement. It's not that they were flying all around. They were staying in their spot on the wheel, but it's like it was alive. I don't know how else to explain it, but it, it had they had like little ripples and movement like they were their own, I don't know, galaxy or source or uh, consciousness, awareness. <clears throat> and so... All of a sudden, and I, this is the part that I don't quite know how you one would fit this in with anything, um, but all of a sudden, the great light spoke and said, we need a volunteer to go to earth, and they will name him Jesus. And all of a sudden, one of the beings walked forward and said, I will go. And he was no more special than the rest of us. He was like, a brother. He was no more special um, than anyone else. He was just like one of the brothers. And that's how it felt is like, even though the white winged beings and dark beings did not particularly get along, they were always pushing and shoving and like grumpy towards each other, but it felt like they were actually brother and sister or um, they were not enemies up here. They were just opposites clashing. So this brother-like being 
walks forward and says, I'll go. And the being with the light wings and the being with the dark wings both come together and they touch this crown of thorns at the exact same time, charging this crown of thorns with, quote, dark and light energy at the same time or aggressiveness and nurture, passive, unconditional love, whatever, at the same time. And they walk forward and they stick the crown on the volunteer and suddenly he is completely naked. He has lost whatever celestial body or garment that we were wearing and he immediately drops down from this place, this cosmic space uh, into earth. And after that, this is what was interesting in the dream is before now, nothing was happening. Um to the will. The will was just there. But suddenly, now that he dropped, now we all had a position to take at this will. And what I mean by this is like the light had to help push the will one way while the dark winged beings had to help push the will the opposite way for it to actually turn. So it shows you know, those with the white wings all line up and those with the dark wings all line up, but they're, they're next to each other. Um, so light, dark, light, dark, light, dark. They're not light all on one side, dark one side. They're, they're literally back to back to back to back. So light, dark, light, dark, all the way around the circle. And we're pushing and we're shoving and there's just so much friction and chaos. Like we almost can't stand each other. We're like toddlers that are like, you know, fighting with our siblings yet they're pushing one way and we're pushing another so we're working together it's like opposites but they were working together to make sure the will turned because without this opposites working in opposite directions yet working together the will couldn't turn and it was like for whatever reason it was very vital that it did well in this dream sometimes we would get very tired of turning the will like we were I don't know like we've been doing some type of work for a really long time and some of us would feel a sense of rebellious energy of you know what I don't want to do this no more I'm so tired of this like I quit right so when that would happen one of the light beings and one of the dark beings and this is what was so interesting is that if one person in the light wings stepped away it automatically triggered somebody of the dark wings to step away so there was always an even number of both sides at the will and when they would step away their submaster would come forward with the crown of thorns and say if you can withstand the pressure of the world you may leave and they would place the crown of thorns on her head But the pressure was so intense. I remember the pressure being so intense that within seconds, like I was shaking it off of my head and the dark winged or the light winged person was shaking it off their head. It was like nobody could withstand the pressure of the world. And because of that, we would return back to the circle and then like it would show somebody else step away and then their 
<clears throat> the other part, like somebody else from the other side would step away at the same time. Same thing. They would put the crown of thorns on their head. If you can withstand the pressure of the world, you may walk away, but nobody ever can. And so it's like, it's like something is happening in order to bring about some type of resolution or conclusion. It's like the feeling in the dream was we are working to do something and once it's done and fully achieved, then the will no longer needs us to turn it. The will will go back to turning all by itself or something. I, anyways, what I'm trying to get at is that um, I, I just feel like the concept of good and evil is, is very deep and complex and so for me, I don't feel like hell exists, but I do feel like there is a, um, still a, a God, a spirit, a source, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's the creator. So it has no opposite. The only opposite would be of itself, you know? So you've heard of concepts of like God versus Satan. And then you've heard of concepts of God would be Satan you know, Satan would be God's shadow, the duality. And so it is kind of conflicting because it's also kind of a sense of, um, and that one to me actually would make more sense than a God versus an actual Satan only because, or at least the idea that Satan could be opposite of God. I never felt like that resonated because how could anything actually be the opposite of the creator like how could the creation ever truly be the opposite of the creator when it didn't have the power to create the creator the creator is the one who had the power to create it so to me it was like creator trumped all there could not be an equal enemy or power enemy right so the idea that god and satan would be the same thing the shadow aspect actually made a little bit more sense to me. But then that was always confusing because it was a sense of where there is perfect and unconditional divine love, how would there be room for the shadow to be in that? You know, like to me, it's it was like God is the the perfect mirage, mirage, whatever you want to call it, the perfect um, symbol of perfect divine unconditional love. And so I had to really start looking at this, right? Um, and I realized that there, you know, coming back from a big biblical place, there's passages about, you know, how one should not be too good, one should not be too holy, and one should not be too evil. And to me, it was like, you know, if we strive for holiness, if we strive for righteousness, there's a fine line where that turns into darkness. It turns into, quote, evil. It turns into aggression. You know, people in their strive for righteousness and holiness actually become the opposite of what their intention was. In that process, they become the very opposite. Their overzealous godliness, their overzealous <clears throat> moralities 
turns into persecuting other people. Uh, it turns into pride. It turns into um, not being able to unconditionally actually love other people and have space. It, you know, there's this judgment, the self-righteousness, um, paranoia, uh, psychosis, things like that. You know, it, it almost, it borderlines into schizophrenia to me. Like it turns into that. So I always found this really interesting. Um, and so that was kind of how I was able to bring it into something tangible that, you know, for Leslie, it is recognizing that I don't want to ever let myself become too, too much, um, <clears throat> I needed both. That's the only way to explain it. I needed both of my energies. And instead of dividing them, instead of even using labels like good and evil and dark and light, it, I needed to find a way to make it just one. All of it just needed to be one within. And the perfect harmony. So I just feel like, and I'm sorry, I'm like going on a tangent, tangent here, but I just feel like, you know, this idea of evil, I feel was just kind of old ways of being a, being a bridge. So like at the time, the people back then, the culture then, perhaps they needed a bridge and this is the way that bridge was taught, but it was with all this agenda and distortion and it's caused a lot of confusion, um, for the people. And so I feel like that's why people get scared of shadow work. Um, and why a lot of people struggle with spirituality and with awakenings is because there's just been so much conditioning and suppression of it to, for one, to not be able to accept or tap into this side of things um, for whatever reason, that was part of that design back then. So if you could perhaps look at, do you have fear around evil? I realized I did. Uh, I had a fear of finding out that I was actually evil, <laughs> uh, a fear of fully letting all my power in and it turning me evil. And so that could be, uh, a fear that some of you might have as well that can really hold you back from a lot of transcending, a lot of transmuting. Um, it might be the reason that you could be someone who struggles with accepting your darker energies or your human side. Like I meet some people in the spiritual community where they speak about, you know, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Like, like they have to fix themselves. It's like they think that there's something wrong or there's shame. Like they're in a hurry to evolve because they don't want to be embarrassed or ashamed that they're not on this like fast track um, that everyone else is claiming to be on, right? Or that um, they need to transmute everything inside of them that is, quote, dark. And in, in a sense, sometimes to me, I feel like this creates a, a veil 
it creates an illusion where we, we're kind of like gaslighting ourselves. You know, we can gaslight ourselves. It's not always somebody else gaslighting us. And so I just think that this is just a very interesting topic. Um, and I could keep going deep with that, but I'm not going to, cause I'm not trying to make this like about religion or trying to tell you guys what to believe. It's absolutely not that at all. It's just that, um, I've kind of accepted in my life that I have the darker energies within me. They, they are there. I have the potential to tap into those places if I want to, um, so what I transmute, what I transcend is my energy, just continuously um, doing my energy cleansing and my alchemy with my energy um, and paying attention to my awareness, where my awareness is going. And when I have thoughts, really being like, huh, you know, who's that? You know, I have a thought. Who's that? Who's thinking that? Where is that coming from? Because that really helps me remember that, you know, I am not my thoughts and I'm not my ego, but my ego is not for me to get rid of. Uh, it is here to serve me. Uh, I believe that if, if, it's, if it's understood and actually uh, if one is able to find a healthy way to coexist with the ego, we can see the, the potential of it. But that's not where I want to live in. You know, I want to live in my state of soul awareness. And the ego is like a sidekick that can either be there to assist or torture or uh, get in the way of or what, however way you experience yours. So I transcend my ego. I work with it. I transcend energies and the shadows. But I'm not trying to get rid of darker energies because it's one whole thing and naturally what begins to happen I've noticed is that uh, I naturally come from a higher vibrational place and I keep uh, really experiencing love even deeper and deeper by not persecuting that those darker energies by not trying to rid myself of them. And this is kind of an analogy that I also, and like, maybe I don't get the point. Like some of you might listen to this and be like that, you know, like maybe I don't get it. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, I'm okay with that. But I just felt like, um, unconditional love could never stop loving anything or anybody. Like, I'm somebody who I can unconditionally love somebody. Um, and yes, sometimes uh, that has been actually kind of difficult for me because uh, I would get so lost in unconditional love. I would neglect the fact that unconditional love can also have, um, you know, standards of how one is willing to be treated. I would just really take a lot of abuse, neglect, and I, and that's not making other people the enemy and I'm always the victim, you know, like I always had a role in things, whether I understood that at the time or not, you know, like 
sometimes the more I loved somebody, the more it actually invoked cruel behaviors. It was like something about my me trying to unconditionally love them was actually invoking the cruel behavior. And if I would have understood that, there's things that could have been avoided because some people just don't want to be unconditionally loved or not not in the way that you're wanting to or not by you or whatever. They're not prepared for that. And um, I would just let so much go because it was like, oh, but I unconditionally love this person. And so like this hurt me or the way I got treated hurt, but I unconditionally love them. So it's okay. I would work through the pain. I wouldn't deny the pain. I'd work through the pain, but like I would not hold it against him. It was like, and what it taught people is that, oh, well, she unconditionally loves me, so I can do whatever I want towards her. I can treat her however way I want, which, I mean, yes, we all can, but she'll always still be there because she unconditionally loves me. She will always forgive me because she unconditionally loves me. So my unconditional love back then um, was actually training people to realize that, uh, I would just take whatever. I would just endure whatever. And so I had to really come to understand that um, unconditional love, yes, it is it is powerful, but that one has to also unconditionally love themselves enough to recognize that you have to have standards of the way you want to be treated and how you you know, are going to establish those standards and being so in love with yourself that you're not going to accept less. Like you can accept it, but like, it's not going to be continued, um, as far as you just accepting it. You can unconditionally love somebody and, uh, change the dynamics, right? You can unconditionally love somebody from afar. You can. And so I had to really, understand that and in that way it helped me realize that the creator would have created everything literally everything light dark good evil the whole shebang and if the creator was unconditional love he could never just not love his creations he could never just stop loving his creations that would be like impossible Anyone that I've unconditionally loved, I still unconditionally love. Um, I, you know, obviously there's certain people in my life I did have to get away from because the impact was hurting me so badly, but that doesn't mean that I don't still have unconditional love for them because I do. And so that's why I think I'm so protective of myself and, and where, what, how close I energetically and emotionally truly on an intimate level will let myself get with people or even in friendships is because I know this about me. I will love somebody forever. (laughs) And, uh, so I've had to really work with this. And so to me, this idea that we need to get rid of the evil or dark sides of us is like saying, uh, that we don't have unconditional love for it and uh and therefore it's not acceptable and therefore we have to change and transcend it simply because we can't accept the fact that it's there and i always found that interesting it didn't make a lot of sense to me so for me i think what this is about 
is from is letting things just naturally fall in place. So if darker energy energies within me that are there naturally shift, um, then they shift. But it's going to be because of so such a natural process and not me trying to uh, fix it. And what I've noticed is that I uh, began to just... I keep vibrating higher. Uh, I'm experiencing very beautiful places, but it's not through bypassing and it's not through trying to force my awareness to be in certain um, places like, oh, let me just focus on you know this or that. It's something about not persecuting that shadow and truly loving it and holding space for it that allows me to do this. So anyways, this is just my perception of things. I'm curious um, to hear any of y'all's thoughts on this. Um, I know a lot of those concepts uh, can get really deep, but I don't believe that shadow work is evil. And I don't believe that um, we have to get rid of the darker energies within us. I feel like they're mine at least feel like they are really blending into a beautiful tapestry and because of that i'm able to make more decisions and have more thoughts and intentions and take more action that's actually a higher form of love than it used to be so hopefully that is of help to you guys but yes you might consider working with energetic debris and and just examining, you know, are you scared of yourself? Are you scared of darker things? And I know some of you might say, well, you know, there's dark entities that exist. Um, and I've seen, you know, some real, like maybe almost demonic type things. So surely um, that needs addressed in some way. And I, that's a topic I really love to talk about. So, but I know we're at 56 minutes, so I won't, but I'm someone who can see entities and shadows. And so, um, yes, I know that those exist entities and, uh, or quote, heavier energies, whatever you want to call it, do exist. Yes. Um, and interesting enough, my problem <laughs> as a kid is that I unconditionally loved. And so I would love them too. And that created some very much confusion. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I loved both the angels and the guides that would come and speak to me and comfort me. And I would love the dark entities just as much. And it's not because they were doing anything for me that was good. No, they were feeding on me. And, um, but they, it was so weird. Um, it's like they, <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to put this. Um, I felt comforted by, by either one being there. It was like, I had dealt with so much fear that, I felt comfort regardless of whether it was a dark entity or a good entity. It didn't matter. If something was coming uh, to spend time with me, I would just love it. Uh, I didn't know that I should have done anything different. So I would um, 
speak words of love to the entities and it was very confusing to them. I remember it being very uh, confusing because I could see them, you know, like a lot of entities try to trick you, uh, you know, or, or torment you, which I did go through some torment. Um, and, uh, but they know that you can't really see them. So it's like, whatever. But the fact that I could see them and I would still feel love was very complex and confusing. And so I guess that's how I would explain it is that I just naturally loved all both sides of whatever you want to call it. And what is interesting though, is that later I realized that those darker entities did play a role in my life that turned out positive. So sometimes the things that we see as an enemy outside of us or within us, um, going back to this idea of what I feel like my dream was trying to convey is that both play a role, whatever you want to call it, this idea of opposites, they play a role that ultimately does serve somebody if they are able to actually get through the the transformation, if they're able to actually gain the clarity and to see this. Because when I got older, I began to talk to that part of myself and to my soul to ask, <clears throat> what what was some of those entities actually there for? <clears throat> like, yes, they were feeding on me. And yes, at times I actually did experience some torment. But what was what was the cause of that? And what was said back to me, I'll never forget. It said they were there to help you take your power back. And I was like, you know, well, what do you mean? And it said, well, you had a lot of fear and you didn't know how to be in your power. So by them constantly coming to you like that, it forced you, it it was a catalyst for you to start finding what was in, what was within you to develop the ability to actually make them leave, to clear them. So what that meant for me was I had to develop a lot of inner um, power. We all have power. Okay. <laughs> this is not about being power hungry. It's, it's like, you know, I, I don't, I do, I'm very responsible to the best that I can be. I try to walk with as much integrity as I possibly can without dipping into an overzealous moral type of righteousness. Right. I just, I believe in not harming other people, period. Like, but I had to develop this inner power of knowing my truth, walking in my truth, um, transcending my wounds in order to beat these entities, in order to overcome them, in order to break up with that bond to actually clear them. So it was like they were part of my spiritual development. They were playing a role. They had a purpose. So... Everything, I feel like, when it comes to this concept of good and evil, has a place and purpose, and it's all contributing to a greater picture. And that's, you know, obviously I don't excuse or condone 
um, malicious behaviors and people who harm other people. I don't agree with that. That doesn't mean that I can't still have unconditional love for the person. You can unconditionally love somebody without agreeing with the actions. It's more that when I see that and when I hear stories like that, I'm more um, somebody that realizes there's a heavy imbalance for that particular person. Like <clears throat> there, there's just a really big imbalance um, going on inside and you know, whether or not that's addressed and rebalanced out is totally up to them and their life path. But I just feel like being able to, to work on this, uh, these areas of our life that we can be scared of, even concepts of like evil versus good and, um, all of that and being able to see how everything plays a role, um, can really be a profound experience and part of this spiritual growth in this path. But anyways, I have no idea what we will talk about next time. So I will see you guys soon.